you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hi, everybody. This is Melissa, and I am not here with Dane today. Today, I'm here with one of my dearest friends, a woman who has become extraordinarily important to touch by a horse and is one of the most interesting women I think you'll find me interviewing. So today, my good friend, Brenda Westwood. Hi, Brenda. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. <laughs> now, we're doing this in January, uh, this particular in- interview in January 2023. Brenda lives in a beautiful canyon in Kyla, Montana. So I have to ask you, how's the winter going up there right now? <laughs> it's been winter full on since the beginning of November, but I just came out of 16 and a half days without water. <laughs> yeah, which if it was just you would be tough enough. But how many horses were you taking care of during that? I have three. So fortunately, yeah. there was enough snow that I could shovel the snow into the water truck to keep it going. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yeah. So then it's a heated water trough, so it would melt the snow for the for the horses. Wow. Well, you don't need to belong to a gym. I don't. <laughs> You've got your fitness right there. That's right. Wow. Well, they're lucky to have you as their human partner, and you're lucky to have them. And I'm glad your water's back on. That was really um, 16 and a half days is a long time. I feel like you want to say 16 and a half days, half an hour, and seven minutes. You know, it's exact, right? (laughs) Exactly. It did test my patience a time or two. Exactly. Well, so a little bit unusual for the graduates, the certified practitioners that I've interviewed thus far, you graduated or certified out of my program in 2013. So you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary this year. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. That's amazing. And the company's in the 15th year, going in the 15th year of teaching and doing the program right now. And so this is a a big milestone, you know, to have, we've had five years of the program at the time that you certified. And you were somebody who I later selected to hire to become what we call a touch by horse coach for the program. We have five coaches for the program. When students come in, they do half an hour phone calls basically every other week over the two years so that I have a guide for them while they're going through the program. I have support for each student as they're going through the program. I have somebody they can turn to when life is concurrently difficult. (laughs) You know, it's not our program that's difficult. It's their life that's difficult. And I don't know anybody that goes the whole two years without some bump in the road. So that's pretty normal. So you came on as a program coach in addition to your own business. And how many years now have you been doing that with us? I'm going into my eighth year as a program coach. Yeah, about seven and a half. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, we're going to talk about all this today with you, Bren, and I'm so glad to get a chance to do this, even though I speak with you frequently (laughs) with all of the business stuff that we do. I'm hoping being what we call a program coach, in addition to your own coaching business, has kept you more current than maybe somebody else that graduated in your class 10 years ago. Is that what you've experienced? Oh, yes, I think so. It's, It's definitely keeps me in touch with your teachings and the class. Classes, provides me certainly more motivation to show up on the class calls and then hear all the updates mm-hmm. and the positive changes that you've made in the program and your teaching and as it deepens and deepens. 
So, yeah. And it's always really good for reminders. Yeah. Like, what did she teach me back in 2012? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> probably, it, it probably resembles what we're doing now, but like everything else. And one mm-hmm. of my business mottos is constant, never ending improvement. So that means it's a forever changing, moving amoebic thing, right? What do you think you've learned by being a coach in the program? Is there anything in that experience that for you has changed your coaching or that you've brought on? Maybe you've learned from your students, et cetera. I'm always learning from my students, always learning from my students. They certainly help Mm -hmm. me be a better coach. What I really learned initially was how I can listen to a different level over the phone, you know, without seeing them. It was very interesting to me how I could pick up on so much without mm-hmm. just, you know, a silence or a breath or, and in that way made me a much better coach, especially for my virtual coaching. Yeah. Where they pause all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you got, yeah. you got a lot of experience with that. Cause I think that, well, for me anyway, you carry usually 15 or 16 of our students, about a fourth of our caseload of our students at all times. So you're also a, a massive contributor to our coach team. So if I say, well, what do you coaches think? You're one of the first ones that has a thought, a consistent contribution, an offer to help. I mean, I, I so appreciate you, Brenda, on so many levels. So thank you again for coaching for the program as well. We'll talk about your personal business here. So I know that you've lived in Montana the whole time I've known you, but it's not where you were raised. And what I want to ask, because I've asked every interview, is did you have horses when you were a kid? My mom always had horses. So in that way, I was around them all the time. She wasn't much on letting me ride them when I was little, (laughs) but I got my first horse when I was 12 years old and we lived in Billings. So I did grow up in Montana, all but the first couple of years of my life. The little horse was, a, you know, the size of a POA pony. She was a little paint. Okay. And my mom, without probably without my dad's knowledge, traded my dad's hunting rifle for this little mare. <laughs> I love it. And we didn't have a horse it. trailer. And so they were just building the interstate in Billings at this time. And she got the horse way on the west end of Billings, and we lived way out east. So I, <laughs> I learned a lot about handling a horse oh by the time I got home. <laughs> I guess. Gosh, yeah. Oh. That's great. And That's she great. was in our backyard. Nice. <laughs> So, so in that way, because I know if you characterized your childhood, it wasn't idyllic by any means, but in that way, you were the girl that had the pony as a child. So lucky for you, because I've got a lot of listeners that are like, oh, I wanted a pony when I was little so bad. So <laughs> oh, little good. June really saved me as a young teenager. Roam through the hills and ride, and with mm-hmm. my girlfriend and her big mare. So, yeah, yeah, they become a very good escape, right? That's what my horses were for me. They were my most trusted confidants. Yeah. They were the shoulder to cry on. They were, you know, kept me a little bit away from boys, not a lot, but you know, a little away from the boy experience <laughs> and all of that as well. So, mm-hmm. so your love and your interest in horses has been lifelong for you, like it has for me. So that's awesome. Yes. So I also want to ask you what I ask almost everybody, and I think I know the answer, but this is always fun for me. How did you find 
me and the program and make that decision to come in and do the training? Mm, I love this question and I love how to answer it. (laughs) I had been interested when I was, I I didn't start college till I was 30. So I was going to the community college here and I was asked to write a vision and that scared the bejesus out of me because no one had ever asked me what I wanted. So when I finally settled down, I saw clearly in my mind's eye partnering with horses to help people heal emotionally and spiritually. And I set off to find it. Now, this was 1991. The the internet was not around. It wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there was Egala and I checked Mm -hmm. into that and I thought, well, no, but then there was therapeutic writing. So I did a volunteer period with them and it's fabulous for, you know, people with physical and, and, um, limitations sure cognitive issues yeah but it wasn't what I wanted so I needed to set off and learn more I wound up going to college and getting my bachelor's degree in social work and I did child protection and health department and back to child protection and then I was a trainer at the University of Montana and I'm traveling across the state training which took me away from what I really love and that's really sitting in the presence of people's pain (laughs) and I'm driving across the state going all right God how am I going to I'm ready I'm ready it's taking away from my life too much so I started looking at again and you know what I couldn't find it there was a program at the School of Social Work in Utah that was partnered with EGALA. I was gone. I was like, well, what the heck? <laughs> well, clearly back then, my search engine optimization in 2011 wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't, but I tell you, I went, I couldn't find anything. And I go to my dentist in, in May or June of 2011. And on the counter was this little magazine It wasn't even slick and glossy. And it said, healthy MT. I've never seen it before. And I've never seen it since. Oh, wow. On the cover was a little inset of a beautiful blonde woman leading a horse out on the prairie. And it said college on the range. So I flip open. And here is a little uh, short interview with Sarah Harum and Judith Gap, Montana. Nice. And how she is going to incorporate the equine gestalt coaching method from Touch My Horse into her practice. And I went, nice. what? <laughs> so I, as soon as I got home, I ordered a packet. I was on the phone with Heather Kirby. She was the li- liaison then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it was finding a way to get into, you know, I got accepted. Sure. But sure. then it was, how was I going to pay for it? So I refinanced my house. Oh, wow. In order to go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a big, big, courageous step. Thank you. Wow. It was well, when you know what's right and you know, when you find it, mm-hmm. I knew. Yeah. Well, my lucky day too, my friend, that's for sure. And Sarah is a fabulous certified practitioner of ours also, as you said, in Montana. And she, at that time, you probably know this, but at that time, she had never left the state of Montana. She grew up a rancher's daughter. She married a rancher. She hung out in that beautiful state and she had never left the state of Montana until she came to my program. So we have lots of fun Sarah Hiram stories too. And, and of course, she's raised these beautiful kids and this gorgeous family 
that's been her main focus as it should be. So she just is a delight, but wow, that's great. From that article comes our Brenda. So that's, that's our lucky day for sure. So coming into the program, I always encourage people that they can do the work, the same work that we do with our clients, the same work that you today do with your clients, do it as they're learning so that my philosophy is if I was going to train to be a lifeguard, I better know how to swim, right? I mean, I can't be a lifeguard from standing on the edge of the pool and having knowing how to toss a ring and I've got to know how to swim and swim well. And as well as all the other tools, I have to be able to get through that. So we each do our own, what we call personal work. So every one of our coaches has experienced the method as a client, and then they do the method with their own clients. So I'm going to back you up 11 years or more and say, what was the experience like for you to actually be a client of the method? What were the benefits? I know we do these cold, by the way, I don't send them the questions in advance. So what was it like for you to experience it? Because you had the social work background, you had the child protective services, you had a little more insight than some of my students do. So I just wonder, did it change things in your inner being? Did it change your thoughts? What do you feel like it did for you? It did so much, Melissa. It's almost beyond words. I was in um, a pattern of relationships that were toxic, unhealthy, codependent (laughs) my whole life. And I'd gone to therapy Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I can rationalize so good and I can be a slippery client. And I know that because I can, I know the process, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this was so incredible. It changed my whole being. It changed who I am. It changed how I walk in the world and how I operate in the world. You fixed my picker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you know what I mean by that, but what, how do you say that? (laughs) Your picker. (laughs) Well, it, it fixed, uh, what the the patterns and the, the people that I choose to have in my life. Right. The selection, <laughs> your ability to select the selection people. process. And yeah. And the way that yes. I say it is when people grow and they change and they do their personal work as a client with any of our practitioners and they really come to know who they are and what their personal worth is, they draw to themselves a higher caliber because you're looking for reciprocity. You should be looking for a partner in life that is the good match for who you are in life. And so once we realize our worth and we know who we are and we know what our value and all of those things, we tend to find a partner that's a much higher caliber. And until we've done that, when you don't know yourself, you're throwing a dart at a dartboard and we're bad with darts. (laughs) We are. And you know, it's like changing. And this is some work that I'm going to start doing uh, with a program I'm going to do. But you know, it's like, like attracts like, but it's like we have a a sign in front of us. Pick me. I am looking for someone to take care of, someone to fix. Pick me, pick me. And that's what I got. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. 
Our Equine Gestaltis program prepares you to open your own private Gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our Master Equine Gestaltis program builds your Gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. Some of that has to do with what we learn, right, as children, what we watch our parents do, what we see in their their relationship or their non-relationship, what we watch our women friends do, what we're exposed to in life, good, bad, and ugly. All of those things factor into what forms that picker. And so if we're, if we're forming it on unfinished business, it's not a good picker. If we're forming it because we know what we want, that's, that's, that's the good picker. So that's what that is. So you formed your practice and your company and your website, if you're already in love with Brenda, as I am, is Horse Sense Healing in Montana. And Horse Sense Healing, I love the name. It just says what it is, right? It's just absolutely practical, down-to-earth, grounded healing with the horse as your partner. That's located in Montana. We say Kyla, Montana, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I've been there, but it is the northwest area, northwest quadrant of Montana. Correct. Right? Correct. Up by Glacier Park, Flathead Lake. Yeah, Flathead Lake. Oh my gosh, takes my breath away. That to me is the prettiest lake in the nation is Flathead Lake. It's just stunning. So pretty. So your practice when you first began, you thought of something extremely clever. Up in that area of the United States where you live, you were a single woman who had a lot of single women friends. And I do remember a conversation you and I had where you were thinking about using your background as a child protective service trainer to work with parents, which is part of what you do, but to work with parents and try and still stay in that genre. And I couldn't hear any joy. I just couldn't hear any joy from your voice. And so I said, well, what else could you think of, Brent? Because you got to get something where we hear that tone of joy in your voice. And you said, well, what I'm passionate about is women becoming more courageously competent in life. And I go, ooh, go with that. So talk a little bit about your program that you started with Grace and what that was in the beginning. I know it's morphed a lot, but what was it in the beginning? Oh, in the beginning, I've always wanted to find a way to teach women, especially and youth, but how to do some things that I call basic survival skills, some self-reliance skills, like how do you run power tools? How do you cut a board? How do you change a flat tire? How do you run a chainsaw? Those kinds of things. Fix a fence. (laughs) And then when I was getting certified, I thought, how am I going to marry these two together? How am I going to do my coaching with the horses and some self-reliance skills? And it turned out that Grit with Grace, I think I called it just in case you have to. And I would partner with (laughs) local business people and they would come out and they would teach a skill. And then um, the horses and I would coach around what comes up when you hit barriers or when you're not feeling confident, that kind of thing. And now I teach it myself once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) But it was so brilliant because the one I remember is, didn't you have a porcelain toilet in the middle of your arena? 
Yes. That one. And you had a plumber come yes. out. And I mean, I think yep. I think most women have had that where the the handle's not working and it's still running. And we look at it like, oh my God, and it's gonna be a big plumbing bill. And he came out in the middle of the arena and showed them what to do and how to fix it. And they went, Oh, geez, you know, that yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. That is a great photo. <laughs> and I'm guessing too that that brought up issues for them, like, why didn't my dad see me as a daughter who needed to know some of these things? And if you're a father out there, be thinking of this. You naturally gravitate to grabbing your son and going, come here, you got to learn how to do this. But truly, a lot of women go through this life single for many, many years, or they have a guy that didn't know how to do anything either. And they want to know these things. It's like, come on, this isn't building a rocket science to the moon. You know, it's changing the ball cock on a toilet. But they aren't the things our fathers thought to pull us aside and say, come here and observe what I'm doing. You know, how to change a tire, all these things so so then you would work on their personal work around whether it brought up issues of like I don't want to be single or it brought up issues of why can't I ask for help without you know feeling like a loser or why can't I feel like I'm capable of learning these life skills so I can only imagine the work went really deep from that simple exercise the first night exactly exactly so much comes up and so many layers you know, helplessness and what stories we tell ourselves about confident women. What did we learn from mm -hmm. often from our fathers or sometimes from our mothers about what, you know, confident women and sometimes they're, mm -hmm. people are afraid of them <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> there is that. But but I think it's true. I think if uh, families that have a son and a daughter, they might think, well, the daughter needs to learn how to dress and do her hair and put makeup on. I mean, we're in 2023, but those things are still somewhat characterized and somewhat, you know, we, we fight against it. We all know rationally to fight against it. And I think old patterns die hard. And so that's most likely not what parents think about. Like, I want to raise a capable, confident daughter, not and confident all the way through, right? Not just how she looks or how she speaks or how she walks or her grace, but actually her grit. And that's where your grit, grit with grace really comes in. Grace with grit, grit with grace on both ways. <laughs> yes. So so you say today you do some of that or you're planning in 2023 to, to run a series like that again? I'm going to run a series. I, it looks very different now. Now I teach it myself. Uh, the skills. Mm -hmm. I've cut mm -hmm. a plethora of power tools and I have uh, lots of opportunities for a lot of skill building things. Um, I'm also including setting boundaries. Oh, because nice. I think that's such an important skill. And, you know, especially with, well, I don't know, it's not especially with anybody. There's just so much that people struggle with, with setting boundaries. Absolutely. Right. I think, and I totally agree with you, that is part of confidence, right? Is to know, first of all, identify where I want boundaries. That's a big step. And then how do I establish them without becoming mean or hardened or cold or walled off? Just a nice, clean, this is what I need for me in my life. And I'm going to respect and watch for what you need in your life. It just cleans everything up. So I agree. I'm always amazed at 
how, and I parented kids too. Do we teach our kids boundaries as they're growing up, how to set them fairly and in good health and in good mental health, how to be okay with it and not do it. I think some people think boundaries means you have the ability to go no and, you know, be really push off of somebody. That isn't it at all. It's really having that inner presence to say, this is where that, this is where that stops for me. This is the line that for me, I'm not telling you not to cross wherever you want, but if you're coming toward me with that, this is my line and I'm holding it. So good for you. I'm so glad you're doing that. Now you work with another sector, I would say that I think is one of the most important and you use the word courage. So speak to that a little bit, the the clients that come to you and you're imbuing them with courage. What is that about? Finding the courage to know your truth, find out who you are without others telling us or what others have told us or who we are supposed to be. It's finding the courage to set a boundary. It's finding the courage to say no. It's finding the courage to heal, to take a look at and experience and drop it in the dirt. Our old stories. Yeah. Which leads to confidence. What is there? And this is an unfair question off the top of your head, but over the 10 years, is there say one session or one client without their name that you can say, yeah, this one really moved me, or this is, this is one of the ones that I look back on and I say, I changed somebody's life that day. Well, yeah, there is one. And, and you know, what happens frequently um, when I work, I work with a lot of professional women and frequently they come to me because they found a spot where they're not confident and what holds them back is usually something out of their awareness. This one particular woman had come to me and she wanted to just tell me the, everything, story, story, story. story. <laughs> and um, I got her out into the the pen with my old horse, Toby, who um, I had to send to the other side of the rainbow bridge just a few months ago. And it was about a codependent relationship with her late ex-husband who had then committed suicide while they were separated, getting her to the place to have that, oh my gosh, I was feeling responsible for all of that. And it was really to own that it was a toxic relationship. But the beautiful part was my horse embodied It was incredible. He was 28 years old with a lot of arthritis. And I began to do a piece with her in the pen, you know, having a conversation with her deceased ex-husband. And all of a sudden, my old horse started rocking back and forth. And I didn't, I was like, what is he doing? And rocking back and forth and rocking back and forth. and, And then all of a sudden, he sat down like a dog and his body just wouldn't normally do something like that. Horses don't usually sit like dogs. <laughs> and all of a sudden she, I, she said, oh my gosh, the late ex-husband trained his horse in the past to sit down like that and he would get on him and then he would stand up. And as soon as she said it, up he went. Wow. Wow. It gave her the freedom. It freed her from that old story that late ex-husband wasn't really the good guy because she, the story she was carrying was, it was my fault. Mm -hmm. I had to do everything for him. She didn't have any power. And that day she claimed it. Right. And she's, she's being heard and affirmed 
in the way that an interspecies can do. And also to me, that story says that her ex from the other side was able to have some imprint into this horse as well. We don't, you know, they're working for me anyway. I feel like they work both sides of that veil when they're doing grief work. The horses have the ability not to have the limited thinking that, well, if you can't see them, they don't exist. They have that ability to say, no, hey, look, I'm going to prove to you that I'm hearing you and I'm going to prove to you that this is being heard across the veil by doing this behavior. That is super hard for any horse to sit down in the shape of a dog and especially one that's old and arthritic like that. That's just an amazing gift that he gave her. She'll never forget that. She'll never forget that. Wow. That's good. And clearing that grief, when we work with clients and we can clear profound old grief, I agree. It clears things up and especially in confusing relationships that involved abuse and when things have a lot of issues around suicide as well. So yeah, just absolutely amazing. Courage is one of those words that you use a lot, and I would agree. Sometimes just living in our life today takes courage. Everything that we've been through with the pandemic and post-pandemic issues and all the things that we see going on around us in the world, the world has, at least in my humble opinion, struggles with a lack of kindness right now and trying to find people that speak to each other in great respect, honor each other's opinions, move through the world graciously and, and find that I love the name of your program that grit with grace is exactly right grit alone not so cool grace often doesn't have enough boundaries so grit with grace is is really the capture right for sure Brenda if somebody wants to come and see you so they hear this and they think I need boundaries I have unfinished business in the background I want to be a woman who is competent and confident you know all these things that you and I have shared about and they love Montana or they've always dreamt of going to Montana. If I were that person and I think this is somebody I want to work with, what might it look like if I live in another state? Like how would I come? Do I need to come again every week? That doesn't sound very practical. So how do you design it? So if I said, I really want to come and and get this work done, what would you do? How do you do that? Oh, that's one of my favorite ways of working with someone um, is for them to come to the Flathead Valley. They can fly in to Glacier International Airport and it's easy to get out to where I'm at. I'm about 40 minutes from the airport and I love to work with people over multiple days. So let's just say, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be a weekend. I certainly can do it during the week, but it could be like half of a Friday, all day Saturday, half of a Sunday, and then really you know, get some good, solid beginnings of their work. Right. So I fly in on a Wednesday, I rent a car, I drive 40 minutes. I'm, I'm seeing you for the first time. We would do a session when I first got there. And then what? Walk me through if I'm staying till Friday night is my other flight. What, what might happen? Well, that first night there would be a session, you know, um, to get together and some, you know, assessment kinds of tools to see what kind of work we might need to do over the weekend. And then I have them rent an Airbnb usually, and there's some fairly close to where I am. And they can take walks in nature, um, go visit Flatted Lake or 
you know, really spend some time journaling. I make sure that they have a journal and some reflection time. And then the next day we begin working and we work until lunchtime. And then sometimes we go on a hike. Sometimes they go off on their own to reflect and sit by the creek, journal, hang out in the hammock. It's very quiet and peaceful. And then they come back and we do some more work. I feed them lunch. <laughs> do that for a couple of days and then you wrap it up on Friday. So what, what makes our work distinctive is that traditional therapy, when people think about entering therapy, they think about making a commitment for a year or more where you drive over and you see somebody for 50 minutes or online is popular today. You see them for 50 minutes to an hour and the intellectual understanding that happens there is really good and people get a much better awareness. It feels good to offload things off your chest and you know get somebody else to hear it and hold it and all of those kinds of things. The difference between that traditional work and the work that our methodology is, is that we're looking at it through an intensive lens, much more like surgery rather than you know treatment of taking medication, if you made a parallel between the traditional medical world. So when they come in, that assessment time is really important. We identify exactly what are the key pivotal pieces of unfinished business that we can focus on and then do our work upon so that they leave that in the sand. They don't take it back home with them. And through the course of, in my example I gave, if I fly in on a Wednesday and I leave on Friday, in that short little period of time, I'm sure you have as well, Brenda, I've had thousands of people say to me, oh my gosh, what we just did in 48 hours is, is more than what I did in five years of traditional therapy. And the reason they feel that way is not because therapy is not effective. It is. It's because this is going in and actually finishing that deep-rooted, deep-rooted, insidious pain and insidious parts right from the cells of the body and literally leaving it in the sand. When the person goes home, they can still think in their head and talk about something that happened to them in the past, but there's no charge to it any longer. There's no big emotional feeling about it. It, it then becomes something that tracks the same as any other memory where you say, oh yeah, I remember going to that library. I remember walking down those steps and into the library. Yep, I remember that. I remember selecting that book. It has that much charge to it. I mean, something that you think, oh my gosh, I'd never be able to get rid of that. You can get rid of it. And this work is a way to get rid of it. And the power of these horses, for me anyway, is that they see, they see what's fractured and they work in alignment with our coaches to be able to see what's broken in a person and help to say, let's leave that here. Let's get rid of that. Whether it's a loud process or a tearful process or whatever it is, let's leave that here. You don't need to pack the pain around anymore. So they packed their suitcase Friday a lot lighter than when they showed up on Wednesday. And Brenda, I know you're one of our top coaches that we've ever had come out of the program. Between your background, your sensitivity, your wisdom, your grace, your grit, all of it, uh, you do such a phenomenal job for people. And so I'm, I'm really encouraging people to, you know, to think about it differently. Think about it to actually go to Glacier, 
one of the prettiest parts of our country by far and get to know Brenda and surrender to this process and leave it all there, you know, and while you're there, stay an extra day and go spend a lot of time on Flathead Lake, literally the prettiest lake in the country. It's stunning. It's just an amazing, amazing lake. Brenda, any last thing you want our listeners to know? And by the way, this is international. People from all over the world listen to our podcast and thank you for that. Those, those of you that do that, but anything that you would want to offer to our listeners of this podcast? You know, life is pretty dang gritty right now, Um, you know, since the pandemic and layers and layers of things happening in our world, in our personal lives as well. And we don't have to get crushed by that. We don't have to be ground into the dirt by it and be helpless. So um, the work that we do that Melissa has trained us to do and the work the horses do is it's nothing short of profound. I mean, it really is beyond words. And to do your work, even if it sounds a little scary, but you walk out and you, and you, you find your grace. You, you can stand tall and be confident and you're far more capable than you think you are sometimes. Yeah, it's so, so, so worth it for sure. Well, I want to thank our listeners. I also want to thank Hope Through Horses. If you can go to hopethroughhorses.com, you'll see some of the beautiful work they do to support Touch by a Horse. And they are a nonprofit and dependent on donations. And I, I, I can only begin to put into words what they do. Everything from a couple of sponsorships, partial sponsorships of tuition to students, to the more important part, helping people who do want to get this work our coaches are paid your work is subsidized and they've done some really beautiful things for people and helped our graduates all over the world really build their practices so thank you to hope through horses for sponsoring this podcast and for being a part of our world for sure brenda thank you this was so fun i talk to you all the time but i don't ask you these questions thank you so much (laughs) melissa it's been very fun absolutely we'll do it again i know you're one that we could do it again for sure so thank you all everyone have a blessed day i'll be back with day next time bye thank you for listening to the touched by a horse podcast if you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com that's touchedbyahorse.com or contact our office by phone at 303 303- Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.